The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel good sounds. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes, got her wings on too. You know I've never seen a better stew. Oh, Betty and the Jets. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about Ebola, nut jobs, a game of uh, duck, duck, goose, Iranians, emotional support animals, pilots taking charge, and a naked passenger. The music for this episode I recorded... It's a street performers on a very snowy day at the Marienplatz in Munich, Germany, and also a classic song that goes with one of the stories. Let's just get on with the show. I can do stupid things. I can and I do, and sometimes it's because I'm distracted, and other times I guess I'm just stupid. But I, I was coming in from Munich... And going through customs and immigration. And I don't know, I don't know how often you guys come uh, into the United States from another country, but uh, the process has changed recently. Uh, You used to fill out a form if you were an American or Canadian citizen. And now you just go to a kiosk and answer some questions and it prints you out like a boarding pass. So we make a PA, you know, the flight tents make a PA because the passengers are always wondering where their form is. And so we tell them, you know, that if you're an American citizen, you no longer need the form. You just go to the kiosk and answer the questions. Well, here's where this story's problem arises, is I have global entry. And in case you guys don't know what that is, it's a basically a trusted traveler program where you can pay $100 and go to an interview and answer questions. And they do a background check and they, they you know, Take your fingerprints, and then this way you can go to the global entry kiosk and answer questions and get through the process quicker. And especially for someone like me, who, you know, at least once a week I'm there for work, and then also, you know, I travel a lot outside of work, it's it's well worth the interview, the $100. I actually feel like I'm getting away with something, you know, because I can speed through there. And uh, But now, because... The general public have to go to a kiosk, and we're making a PA on the plane that they're going to a kiosk, and they don't know what the term global entry is. 
they see kiosks and they go to the global entry kiosk instead of the regular, where there's a whole bunch of them further down, <laughs> the regular folk kiosk. Now, this isn't their problem. They just, they heard the word kiosk, they see a kiosk and they go to it. But the problem is here, my $100 interview fast pass through immigration can be thwarted because you have these people who do not have global entry at the global entry kiosk. Okay. Um, I can tell right away the people who don't have global entry. They're looking at it funny. There's a bunch of them standing around it. And so I say, um, you know, do you have global entry? And they don't know what that is. So they just give you like a blank stare. So I'm like, uh, did you pay $100? They also sort of get a blank stare for that because they've paid lots of fees and things. They don't know if they pay. So finally, I say, did you go to an interview? And then they're like, no. And I'm like, this, this is a global entry kiosk. You know, you need to go to the, those kiosks over there. And they're like, oh, well, the problem is they are now at the kiosk <laughs> that I need to use. And the rest of the, a lot of the crew members have it because we're there all the time. So you've got these people who don't have global entry at the global entry kiosk. Okay. So here I am coming in from Munich in a rush to get my, you know, commuter flight. And there's a bunch of people who shouldn't be at the kiosk at the kiosk. So I'm doing, doing my normal thing. I just described, you know, do you have global entry? Did you pay $100? You go to an interview? No, 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 no. Okay, those, this is the wrong kiosk. So they move. And I now am putting my passport in. And you put your fingerprints on there. You know, you put your fingers. They take the fingerprints. And there's all the, I can, then there's more people coming who I can tell aren't global entry. And I should have just been focusing on what I was doing. But instead, I'm telling these people, I'm like, do you have global entry? And I guess I was distracted and I was talking to the other people. I should have been concentrating on what I was doing because they've changed the global entry questions to include uh, some Ebola questions. The first ones, you know, like, have you been to one of the countries affected by Ebola or have you been around people who have Ebola? And in my distracted state, not paying attention, I must have said yes to the Ebola questions. And I know this because all of a sudden there was a big X on the screen and I didn't get to go to the other questions, the normal questions like, you know, you bringing in uh, meat or plants and those types of things. Um, I didn't get to those questions, just a big X. And then now I'm forgetting all about the other people who are at the wrong kiosk. I'm thinking, oh no, oh no, oh no, I must have said yes. <laughs> the Ebola questions. I'm looking around. I'm like, is there going to be like a siren? You know, is a plastic tent going to come down around me? Are they going to spray me with bleach in my uniform? Are you going to have to go take a silkwood, you know, shower? I'm looking around like, crap, crap. I just I'm, I'm pretty sure I must have said yes to the Ebola question. I didn't mean to. I was just distracted. So I'm looking around. I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll just take my little, there's like a receipt and it has a big X on it. <laughs> big Ebola X. <laughs> so I go, I, I sheepishly go to the customs uh, and an immigration officer. And I'm like, um, I'm guessing that I answered uh, the first question's wrong. I was distracted. There were people who were at the wrong kiosk. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I, I think I answered the Ebola questions wrong. And I got this stony face 
You know, they do not have a sense of humor. He's probably thinking, you dumb shit. <laughs> so he, he proceeds to say, you have not been to one of the countries that's affected by Ebola. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm coming from Munich. I'm so sorry. I, I'm sorry. I must have hit. Yes, I meant to push. No, I'm sorry. And he's like, you have not been around people who have Ebola. I'm like, no, no, sorry. I was coming from Munich. No Ebola. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Luckily, he could have been much worse. He could have made my life very difficult, but I think he could see and I was being, that's the thing, you got to be with police officers, you know, customs, immigrant, all these types of people. You have to just be subservient. I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so that was my Munich Ebola scare. Yes, it was a flight attendant, a very much beloved Pan Am flight attendant. It was a former Pan Am, and they were going from like Miami or somewhere in Florida to New York, and this flight attendant passed out on the floor. He had a heart attack. The flight attendant? The flight attendant. And he was so beloved by all these flight attendants that, that they, you know, they get the equipment and they're down there and they're they're like, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, and, and just we're, we're landing, we're landing as fast as we can. And he's trying to say something and finally one of the other flight attendants got down on the ground and said, okay, what, you know, t tell me just real quick. And he's, uh, she thought it was something that, yeah. you know, tell my family yeah. I love them. And he goes, take the wine out of my bag. <laughs> I just loved that story about get the wine out of my bag as he's having a heart attack. And I figured I should probably do a little explanation. I think every flight attendant would think that's really funny. But the general public might think, why, what, huh? What about the wine in his bag? Well, back in the day, uh, actually back before my days, uh, I've heard lots of stories like at Pan Am where they used to like drink on the airplane. You know, they'd make themselves Bloody Marys. <laughs> they had crew juice back in the back alley. I can't for the life of me imagine um, drinking at work on the airplane. But I guess, you know, it was, we didn't used to get alcohol tested and, and it was rather normal. And then also, um, things have changed so much. <laughs> but also, there was a time when it was very common for people to take like what was left of a bottle of wine or, you know, pour what was left of a bottle of wine into a water bottle, stuff like that, because it all gets thrown away. Uh, and so basically, the mentality was, you know, it's just trash. Well, the airlines have really cracked down on all that. And I basically don't see Basically, I don't see any of it anymore. <laughs> but while I wasn't around for the drinking on the airplane, I was around to see people um, partaking of um, alcoholic, quote unquote, trash that was going to get thrown away. And they, you know, they'd have it on their layover. So that is why. <laughs> but, you know, if still back then, even though it was common practice, you'd still get in trouble or could get fired if they found it in your bag. And so he was probably thinking, you know, if I go to the hospital, you know, they're going to go through my bag for clothing, whatever. And there's going to be this airline bottle of wine. <laughs> so he was not only planning on getting better, he also obviously didn't want to lose his job. So while he was having a life-threatening event, <laughs> his mind was on, get the line out 
of my bag. I got an email from a listener named Stuart, and he was telling his own story about Bira Beach, Sulawesi, Indonesia. And in case um, anyone wasn't listening a couple episodes ago, the story he was talking about was, I was staying at this hotel in Bira Beach, and there were just women working there, and nobody spoke English except for the owner. And in the middle of the night... I got this really intense knocking on the door. Madame, madame, madame. And, uh, you know, it's a violent way to wake up. And I'm thinking, there weren't even any men here. Who's knocking on my door? And uh, he started speaking in Indonesian and knocking, talking in a really worried voice. And I wasn't going to open the door. There's no peephole. It wouldn't matter if I could see anyway. I don't know anyone there. And there's no one I would let in. And nothing was on fire or anything. So he's like, Madame, Madame. And then in English, he says, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, except for the man knocking on my door in the middle of the night. Uh, Eventually, he left. And it took me a while to go back to sleep. And the next day, I was talking to the owner. And I said, "Um, there was a man knocking on my door in the middle of the night. And she first says, "Um, oh, that's not possible. I'm like, oh, no, it's possible. You know, it happened. There was a man knocking on my my door. And she took him home. And then she goes, oh, oh, yes, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, people are dead, but they're not dead. <laughs> Which was the very last thing I was expecting her to say. She was basically saying it was a, a ghost knocking on my door. And then she started going into how sometimes she sees men coming out of the ocean on naked on horseback. And I was just realizing that, uh, okay, she's nutty. <laughs> I won't be finding out who was knocking on my door in the middle of the night. So then I get this email from Stuart and he says, your tales from Sulawesi brought back memories from when I visited there in 2011 with my friend Tristan. We also went to Bira Beach. We didn't have as much trouble getting there as you did, but we somehow managed to befriend an older Russian lady who asked to borrow some money for water. And then she started following us to the beach, telling us stories all the way. When we found a nice place on the beach, she took off all her clothes (laughs) and started helping herself to all our snacks. I was trying to divert my eyes from her undercarriage. By focusing on my book, she ended up telling us that she had founded her own religion and she believed she could contact aliens by having sexual relations with dolphins. Stewart says, uh, traveling does allow you to meet so many interesting characters. It also tells me that there are a lot of nut jobs in Beer Beach. Okay, so I used to be bead coordinator yes. and um, I did the flights where there was a connection between Frankfurt, Germany and um, Mumbai, India. Oh, yeah. And so we had like a thousand Mr. Patels and Guptas yes. and all this stuff. And so um, I went through with the list and I always like to make sure that people are in their seats because there's like eight or ten different Patel families. Yes. So I'd gotten through the you know, majority of the list and I was walking towards the back and this uh, little old man who's sitting at the aisle stops me and he's like, ma'am, ma'am. I want to let you know, I am a fruit, my wife is a fruit, and my children are vegetables. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Mr. Patel, thank you very much. And I just had to run to the back of the airplane because I was just crying laughing. Wait, can you say what he said again? Yes, yes. He said, ma'am, ma'am, I'm wanting to let you know, I am a fruit, 
my wife is a fruit, and my children are vegetables. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of teased the, the Patel thing and Gupta thing. So I've made up this thing in my mind of, you know, what if, you know, how the children have these games. And instead of Duck, Duck, Goose, you have, you know, a totally different game. So it would be Patel, 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 Gupta. told you guys before that my hair does not react well to humidity and rain and uh, I spend a lot of time I like to look nice at work you know so I was in Amsterdam and uh, you know spend a lot of time getting myself all um, presentable for work and we get out of the crew van and it's raining Um, so okay I'm thinking well I'm just gonna make a mad dash you know it's not that far to the door to get into the airport so I kind of waited in the van until most of our bags were out on the sidewalk. I get my bags, and I literally am making a mad dash. There's a ramp, which is nice because I'm rolling my suitcase. So I get halfway up the ramp, and there's a guy standing there with like a big cart, more than just a suitcase, a big cart, and he's in the way. And I'm I'm trying to get around him, and he goes, "Uh, so where are you from? And I said... Exasperated. It's raining. And he goes, You're Iranian? <laughs> I said, I said, No, it's raining. Thinking he must understand that I'm in a hurry because it's raining and I'm in my uniform and I'm getting wet and I'm gonna have a blonde afro. But of course he doesn't know any of this about me. He I don't I don't I don't know if he was I don't know if he was trying to pick me up. I don't know what he was doing. But after he said, you're Iranian? I'm like, no, it's raining. He goes, so are you Dutch? He's still not getting out of the way. So I literally was like, you're in my way, man. So I went back down the ramp, ran further away, went up the stairs. The guy's now following me. He's now wouldn't have been in my way. I just couldn't wait for him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't move. Just wanted to chit chat in the rain. As I'm doing my mad dash, carrying my bags up the stairs, because I couldn't go up the ramp that he was in the way of, he's like, why in such a hurry? (laughs) I'm thinking, boy, you know, men and women are very different. (laughs) I just loved it, though, when I said, it's raining. And he goes, you're Iranian? (laughs) Okay, so... We were in Salt Lake City. Yeah, that makes sense. And Marie Osmond had just finished Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yeah. And she um, was going to get her fitting in Los Angeles. Well, we had um, we had a delay on the flight. And the whole time we had a delay on our flight, she just kept peeling off her fake eyelashes. Like, peeling off eyelashes. One one. Yeah, and then she just kept handing them to me. And then, like, she kept brushing her hair. And all of her hair was coming out, too. So she was handing me fake eyelashes and, and hair extension kind of stuff. Then, you know, she had, was getting fitting because her and Donnie were doing the um, the thing for um, the Miss America. They were hosting Miss America. So anyways, she said, you know, they said, what, what, you know, she needed to get there and what was the closest flight. And so then we, I went up and asked the gate agent and the gate agent said that, oh, we can get her to San Jose. And I went down to, and I went down and told her 
And I said, do you want to come with me? And she grabbed my arm, and we were walking up the jetway together, and she started singing, do you know the way to San Jose? So Marie Osmond was singing to me, do you know the way to San Jose, up the jetway, holding onto my arm in Salt Lake City. That's fantastic. And then... <laughs> grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and growing up, since I really hadn't been anywhere else, I didn't realize that a lot of the slang in Pittsburgh is very specific to Pittsburgh, and I didn't even realize I was saying things basically incorrectly until I left. Um, Certain things like uh, in Pittsburgh, you say gum bands instead of rubber bands and you say you're going to wish the car instead of wash it and they say milk instead of milk anyway when I actually as soon as I went to college and heard other people saying things a different way I immediately self-corrected and didn't say any of those Pittsburgh isms anymore and then many many years later here I am flying to Amsterdam a lot and when they bring the milk on the plane when they board it in Amsterdam it is spelled M-E-L-K not M-I-L-K so (laughs) where I was considering it you know a Pittsburgh ism or slang maybe it's just because a lot of Dutch people settled in Pittsburgh so that's how they correctly spelled milk in in the Netherlands, M-E-L-K, not M-I-L-K. So here I was basically putting down my native Pittsburgh and their slang, and some of it is just uh, <laughs> where the people were from. Thank you guys for going to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, when you're going to buy something on Amazon. It doesn't cost you any more, and it supports the show. I do know that sometimes people complain that the Amazon links don't work. It's probably because I made the website myself, and if you're on a different browser or something, it might not work. But I appreciate (laughs) the attempt. But most people get it to work because people this month bought uh, a book on a thousand places to stay before you die a stereo receiver, jelly beans, Hungarian paprika, or paprika, (laughs) and a bluebird feeder. Thank you so much. And if you're going to be buying something on Amazon, please consider going to my website, bettyinthesky.com. It doesn't cost you any more, and it supports the show, and it makes me really happy, and thank you so much. This next story comes from one of my favorite podcasts called The Adam Carolla Show. It's a daily, well, five times a week show. You can find it in iTunes. And here he is talking about one of my um, pet peeves. Got It's officially over. I've been explaining it's it's almost over, but now it's officially over because I saw on TMZ that the actor that played Superman was the last Superman. Oh, um, the Henry Cavill. Cable? Cable, Cable I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they pronounce it different, but maybe it is that way. Maybe it's Cavill. Or something, whatever. Uh, Superman. Mm -hmm. Superman was uh, interviewed and walking out of LAX. Superman with his emotional support dog. (laughs) 
Stop it. Super pug. Soup. That's a big. No, that's oh, a that's Kiva. A oh, that's a big dog. I saw the face. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. a big. That's a big fucking dog. dog. It's like Falcor. Now, what is that dog doing with fucking Superman? I mean, you probably couldn't find a guy who was 34 and in, in, in a better shape than this guy. And he's got the jacket, too. And did it specify emotional support? Because that's almost more embarrassing. I said emotional support, but I don't know. I mean, he's, he's able-bodied. He's completely able-bodied. He's fucking Superman. There's a full-size dog on his flight. What, what am I missing here? Did he just take a full side? Did Superman just take a fucking fire rod? What's Superman even doing in a plane? Right. If you really want to break it That's down. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's, it's for sure. It's because his emotional support animal can't fly That's on That's right. His own. He can't. He can't. Like one of the super friends dogs right. could. I want to know what that fucking dog is doing for him and have we just completely bottomed out? Because look, I understand Paris Hilton and Ava Gabor. You know, I understand the nutty old Hollywood starlet that's got the fucking thing in the basket who's insane insane from ingesting too much peroxide right. via her f- hair follicles for over the years. But Superman taking an 80-pound dog on yes. a fucking plane? And here's the part that bothers me more and surprise doesn't bother you more. Those... There's those people. Then there's the plenty of people who I'm sure are bringing their their registered dogs as support dogs on the plane to avoid the $75 fee, the $100 fee, whatever it is, because for a lot of people, that's a lot of money. I'm going to go on a limb and say Superman is rich. I'm going to say Henry Cavill is a wealthy man. Is he saving the $75? Or why does he pay to bring the dog on the plane? At this point, I think it's the Every same. Every airline allows it. I think it's the same thing as having your, your weed wreck. It's like, I'm doing it because I can do it. Yes. I don't think he's depressed. I don't think he's a bad flyer. Maybe he is. But if he's not, it's because it's easy to get now. And look, I'm one of the guys that got one. Ha ha. I think probably if I were to, uh, not that Superman needs me to defend him, but, but he would probably say, I didn't want my dog put in a crate and put in the bottom of the plane. Superman. But tough fucking shit. There's another 250 people on the plane that don't want to be flying with your 80 pound fucking dog. Mm. Well, and how does that work logistically? Do you does he buy get a, seat? a separate seat? I I don't know, and that doesn't sit fit under a, a chair. No, I. Uh, it's fucking on. It's on and it's over, everybody. It's over and it's on. I've gotten better over the years of um, stifling myself when I want to say something. When something comes to mind, I have to, I have to stifle myself before it comes out of my mouth. And uh, during the boarding process the other day, I was handing out eye shades and earphones, you know, like eye shades, eye shades. And there's this guy with an eye patch on one eye. And I was so I was so tempted to say, oh, you already have them or you already have you brought your own. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I stifled that. It would have been horrible to say something about his eye patch slash eye shade. Do you know the way to San Jose? No, I wasn't on my flight, but the girl that was telling me the story, it happened to her. She was um, A-line on this flight. Um... Two minutes before, they're closing the door, a completely full flight. A man runs on, and he's got his suitcase. So he goes to where his seat is and opens the overhead bin, takes out a suitcase, puts it in the aisle, puts his in the overhead bin, closes it, sits down, puts the seatbelt on, 
and there's a poor little old lady about three rows behind that's just like ringing her bell, ma'am, ma'am, he took my suitcase, you know, so the flight attendant at the back of the airplane, she um, goes up to the gentleman and said, sir, I have other overhead bin space, but you need to put that bag back where you got it. You know, and he said, this is my seat, that's my overhead bin space. Well, she decided she wasn't paid enough to handle the situation, so she went up to the girl in charge and told her what happened. The girl in charge comes back to the man, and this girl, she was, she's kind of like me, she's real sassy. She looked at him, she said, I put my hands on my hips, looked at him and says, tell me you did not do what my girlfriend <laughs> just came up and told me that you did. And he looked at her and he said, this is my seat, that's my overhead bin. She tried talking to him, he wouldn't budge, so she decided she wasn't paid enough. So she goes up and gets the, the captain, tells him the whole story, you know, I've tried everything. You know, by now the airplane's late because they can't get this man to behave. And so the captain comes back and he said, sir, get your suitcase out, put this lady's suitcase back, and put your suitcase where my flight attendant told you to. And he says to the captain, this is my seat, that's my overhead bin space. The captain looked at him and said, well, sir, this is my airplane. You can get the hell off right now. And he left his rear end in Atlanta. Yay! <laughs>
Unfortunately, the towel that Kim had handed me only goes about halfway across my waist. I'm very tall, athletic guy, so this little itty-bitty towel. <laughs> Basically, I'm walking out naked. I walk out of the lavatory, and to my surprise and horror, the galley curtains were no longer drawn. <laughs> so here I am, naked, except for this little itty-bitty towel I have to hold in both hands. Deer in the headlights, shock look in full throttle. As I stand there, Kim is on the PA explaining that she spilled juice all over this passenger and if anyone had some clothes to give. As she finishes her sentence, moment of dead silence, and the other two flight attendants who are standing in the back are covering their mouths and shaking their heads. <laughs> and of course, from the back of the plane, you hear all my girlfriends giggling and laughing so loud, they're basically rolling on the floor <laughs> as me in front of the plane naked. And the two flight attendants in the back are laughing so hard, they have to sit down. <laughs> the funny thing is that Kim didn't notice me there. <laughs> and I wasn't moving. I was still in shock and in fear of becoming exposed completely. <laughs> and as Kim hears the laughter, she turns around and sees me standing there. The mortifying look on her face is so funny. For the second time that day, she's making that mortified face. And at this point, it becomes clear there's the funniest thing. And I start laughing so hard, and I cried. And poor Kim is looking at me mortified and can't believe what is happening. A couple of guys stood up and start going through their stuff to give me some clothes. But before they did, my girlfriends in the back <laughs> brought up a pair of, you know, lacy panties as a joke and they're dying for laughter <laughs> thank god my guy friends brought me up a tank top and some boxers at this point half the plane is in shock and the other half is dying with laughter kim puts a change of clothing in the lavatory and as she does she can't stop saying i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> and i go in and come out luckily with more clothes on than i had before as i step out of the lavatory i got a Full round of applause from a laughing cabin full of passengers. And of course, I have to walk all the way to the back of the plane as they're laughing to my seat. Everyone was a good sport. And thank God they weren't laughing at me, but rather my uh, exposed situation. I told Kim that everything was okay. And, you know, shit happens. And we asked her how long and her co-workers were staying in Paris. And we went out drinking that night. And we all laughed over what happened earlier that day. <laughs> You know what? I've been flying a long time. I don't, I don't know if I've had a naked man <laughs> standing at the front of the plane with everyone looking at him. <laughs> Thank you, Stefan. That was great. That's it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Way together, and she starts singing, Do you know the way to San Jose? So Marie Osmond was singing to me, Do you know the way to San Jose? Up the jetway, holding onto my arm in Salt Lake City. That's fantastic. <laughs>
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio.